Welcome to Fill in the Gap, part of the Vendetta Sports Podcast Network. I'm Alex Philbrick, and today we're going to continue some of our college football coverage with spring practice wrapping up across the country this past weekend. Our guest today is Ian Boyd. Ian covers college football for SB Nation and for InsideTexas.com. You can follow Ian on Twitter under the handle at Ian underscore A underscore Boyd. I really enjoy following Ian on Twitter and following his work because he, he doesn't really give the same old opinions that we often hear regurgitated from a lot of analysts across sports media. He really does his homework. He really studies things before he puts his thoughts out there. And so I know I'm getting a genuine, uh, well-thought-out opinion whenever I read his work. Also joining me for the interview is going to be Kyle Evans. Kyle has been on the show before, and if you listened to our Masters preview, then you heard him on that episode, as well as I th- there was one earlier one, I think either the first or second episode he was also on. Um, this week for Fill in the Gap, we have this episode with Ian Boyd. Tomorrow I'm going to put out just a, may, might be a solo episode, I'm not quite sure yet, but it's going to be a shorter one just talking about the NBA playoffs and kind of what's going on there because I really love the NBA and it's one of my favorite things to follow. Haven't talked about it enough, especially with the playoffs going on, so I wanted to do that. So that will come out tomorrow. And then I, I right now I'm planning on Friday um, a, a, another show with a – a pretty interesting guest. I, I don't want to say who, just to spoil things, or uh, just in case something comes up to where we, we have to reschedule it. But it, it's going to be a, a, a fun episode for me, and I know it'll be interesting uh, content for, for you listeners. So we're excited about this week for filling the gap. But here is our interview with Ian Boyd. Hope you guys enjoy. We have Ian Boyd here. He's a, a college football writer for SB Nation, and he also writes uh, covers Texas football for InsideTexas.com. Ian, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thank Just you. Pour for... a glass of red wine. There I'm you go. go. <laughs> uh, Ian lives in Michigan, but he's a, actually a Texas grad, so he's pretty plugged in with uh, Texas football. Does a good job covering him. I, I like reading your stuff because I know that you, you know, you do your homework and you like to talk about X's and O's, which a lot of people just like to talk about, you know, their feelings or or or, or whatever about certain teams or, or whatnot. But you're actually watching film and, and breaking it down, which I I, I like. So uh, I think you do a really good job with that. So <clears throat> we're going to talk about just Texas first. They had their spring game last Saturday. Then we'll get into some stuff about the Big Twelve uh, a little bit after that. But so the first thing I wanted to bring up um, about Texas football. So last year was kind of a common belief among people around the country and Texas fans that one problem with the Texas offense was their play calling. Their offensive line handicapped their offense a lot, uh, but their play calling was it was questionable at best. I feel, um, and a lot of people were unhappy with tech, with Tim Beck, the offensive coordinator, and they they wanted Tom Herman, who's an offensive guy, to take more control. So do you think Herman will be more involved with that that part of the offense this year? And if if the offense does continue to struggle out of the gate, maybe the first two, three, four games, do you think it's something where Tom Herman could announce, you know, I'm taking over the play calling duties? I definitely think that Herm, that's Herman's plan for the season is to uh, fall back on himself if things go awry and then maybe hire – a different play caller the next offseason. <clears throat> and uh, last year there was all kinds of rumors going around about, 
play calling and what they were doing about it. Um, by some accounts, three different guys called plays for Texas last year. But um, none of them really knocked the ball out of the park. So it ultimately just came back to, uh, you know, how much does the play caller matter when the quarterback changes every other week mm -hmm. and the offensive line can't block anyone and they don't trust a single go-to receiver. So uh, I, my guess is that he's going to give it back to back this season, but then he'll take over if uh, if things are not going like he thinks they should. Mm -hmm. Do you think... Do you think Herman actually? Do you think Herm, is Herman one of the rumored people to have called plays last year? Because it didn't appear he ever did. And if not, who oh, else? He, he, who he else besides that did? In the Missouri game, he did in the bowl game. Okay, it was Herman. Okay, well that we we obviously looked a little better that game. Um, a little, I mean, a little bit, but they, I mean, they, they had some troubles in that one too. Sure. And uh, I mean, Missouri had probably a better defense than most Big Twelve teams, but. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean that's not saying much. Yeah, kind of. no, it's not. <laughs> they, were, they were okay, but Texas Texas didn't really knock it out of the park in that game either. No, the defense the defense played well, and we just I don't the game was a strange game for sure. But um, Michael Dixon, right? Who besides who besides Herman and Beck called are rumored to have called plays last year? Yeah, the uh, rumor <clears throat> is that Drew Maringer was uh, he went up in the booth that he wasn't just helping out, that he was doing some of the play calling. Um, okay. So, so that's the uh, that's the rumor that may or may not be what absolutely happened. Right. Well, so you you, uh, you, um, you know you mentioned the quarterback the quarterbacks changing every week. Um, are you of the belief that there's actually a battle going on? Um, not not really. Okay. Um, I think it's Ellinger. For sure, I think that's probably the worst kept secret around Austin. Um, he takes most of the number one reps, I, I believe. And uh, Herman loves him; they love the way he fits the offense. He's a team leader behind the scenes. You, know, whenever we report on different recruits, it always ends up being Ellinger that meets with the recruit. You know, right? Interest to interest to make the sell. He's much more of a team leader than than is Bouchel. It kind of and, sounds like he's taken over uh, taken over Malik's job of of being a player recruiter that Malik was for us for a while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's a he's a charismatic guy. I actually um, heard some stories about him, like in, uh, in in middle school and high school. There are stories about him at Westlake where he would uh, like um, he repeated. Uh, choir or something in eighth grade and then all the other guys in the school repeated choir when none of them had to just because so, he's, he's absolutely a behind the scenes leader kind of guy hopefully hopefully that um you know just for my own sake i kind of hope that it is just a rumor that he repeated choir because i don't really want him to be a choir boy myself but um if if you know if, it, if the job is actually is is sam's do you think shane's a guy that's going to Look for a gig elsewhere. Do you think he's just going to, you know, continue being a Longhorn since that's really what he's wanted to be his entire life? I think he wants to be a Longhorn. I, I think he knows. I mean, he's the number two right now, um, and Sam Ellinger is a dude that likes to try to run people over, which terrifies a lot of Texas fans. I actually love it, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that 
you know, there's no chance that Shane Bichelle might become the starter by default. Oh, right. Yeah. So uh, I, I think he knows that. I think he likes it at Texas. I think he'd rather um, stick it out and uh, just be a Longhorn and maybe have a chance over, over leaving. Okay. Obviously, Texas fans should, should be hoping that he stays because um, as good as, uh, as as talented as Rising and Thompson looked in the spring game, uh, you don't want either of them to take snaps this next no, year. No, no, I'm tired of two freshmen taking snaps. I, I, I yeah. definitely, I hope he stays, and I hope Rising can redshirt and follow a normal a normal path with quarterbacks instead of us continuing to play freshmen. Um, and you know, you know what else? The um, it's harder for guys to transfer if they've already taken a redshirt. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because now they actually have to sit out. Like Jalen Hurts transferred after this season and then redshirted at his new school and then have two years of eligibility left because he never redshirted at Alabama. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because you have to sit that year out one way or the other. But if you haven't used your redshirt yet, then there you go. Okay. Um, So moving moving a little away from away from the quarterback battle, um, something that is. Just from my nature, and and just and and being a and watching and being frustrated, a question mark for me is the running game. Um, so, do you do you think the offensive line is is, is improved enough to 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 really run the ball successfully with a running back? And if so, um, who do you think is going to be that guy at running back? I know I know the backs um, really didn't have a very good spring, um, and had yeah. a pretty poor season last year, uh, and hopefully. Especially Kyle Porter, I really thought he was ineffective. So, um, hoping we move away from that. What are you, what are your thoughts on the running back situation in the running game? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of things going on there. I think the line will definitely be better. Um, how good it how good it will be is is not as clear. There's a couple of variables left to shake out, like um, Pat Big Pat Hudson. I think he was a five star recruit a couple years back that Texas stole from Baylor. Um, He's been fighting back from a knee injury that knocked him out during the uh, San Jose State game last year. He probably would have started last year most of the year by default. Um, Not not because he would have been, he probably would have made mistakes like everyone else, but he's insanely talented. And uh, he's, so he's fighting back from injury. He just started getting snaps. If he can win one of the guard jobs, uh, this team gets a, this line gets a lot better with a higher ceiling. Um, there's also a question of whether or not Shackelford or hold on will hold on to the center position, or if they'll be able to move someone better like Kerstetter over there. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's in play though, so it looks like the line is at the very least going to be a lot more solid and deep than it was last year. Its potential ceiling is actually shockingly pretty high just once you add Anderson then there's you know a, a trickle down effect where you can start moving other guys into into new positions because you're not you're not playing a, a guy at left tackle that is uh, maybe a good guard or a good right tackle but not a good left tackle you right. know um, so we'll see how that shakes out they should be better they're they're gonna run Allinger next year that's gonna be something that's gonna happen quite a bit because that's what Tom Herman does mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's going to help the offense a lot, <clears throat> even though it's going to make you know all of us PTSD Texas fans nervous. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the re- the running back situation is really interesting. It's hard to tell 
most of the spring reports on the running backs have been kind of negative. Um, but every time I see Daniel Young, I think he's really solid. And uh, I know Tamiel Carter is the most talented running back on the campus. And uh, he's really explosive. But obviously he has fumble problems. So it's not clear if he can win the job or not. I actually think that if the line were blocking consistently, Kyle Porter would be surprisingly decent. Not He's not the guy that you want as your uh, like lead volume back, but there are some things he does well, and every once in a while he rips off a run that surprises. So I, And then also they'll probably get this Cal transfer guy, Trey Watson, too. You think you think we're really you think we're really in line to, to pick him up? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I think he'll probably go to Texas in the next week or so. What about Ingram? Do you think he's got a chance to take some take some some real reps in in, in um, you know right off the bat, or do you think he might redshirt? I think he can get reps immediately. It's it's a matter of. Um, so you have between Young and Watson and Porter, you have three guys that you probably feel good about first, second, and third down running any play, and they're going to be competent and they're going to get the job done and they'll be solid. Uh, I don't know if any of them are really explosive or game changers, although I, Young might be. I mean, he's, I honestly think he's pretty good. Um, but so you'll have all three of those guys that you feel okay about from down to down, and then if Ingram. If Ingram can be a, you know, a, a star, then they'll probably work him in and, and dele- relegate one of those other guys to the bench. Right. So. Right. Okay. I, well, I, I do think. Go I, ahead. I, I said this on Twitter recently, and people freaked out. I think Ellinger will probably be the leading rusher with something like 700 or 800 yards. I think part of that will be that they will run him a lot. Because it's a you know it's a trump card. If you do that, then it just makes offense easier. But I think I think they'll run the ball to the running backs a lot too. I just think that I don't know if a single one of these guys is going to emerge from the pack to get enough carries to lead the team in rushing. Right. Yeah. I feel like I feel like they're going to they're going to share the wealth pretty good running back. I, I would yeah. agree. I would agree with that. You know, I I know that Ellinger's a good athlete and he, and he showed a, a lot of good. Uh, a, a, an ability to be able to run the ball, but you, you think he he could be a guy who r- could rush for seven eight hundred yards at the quarterback spot? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if you depending on how you count sack yardage, also is another yeah, yeah. fact. But um, uh, well, maybe I should maybe I should double check JT Barrett's stats over the years, but I, I think Ellinger, if he had 10, 15 carries a game. He can pick up five yards a carry or so. They may not use him. They may save his runs for short yardage, mm-hmm. um, which makes a guy look less explosive and valuable than he really is because, you know, you're only trying to pick up two yards at a time. But I, I think he's going to be like Barrett or Dak Prescott where he ends up. Okay. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a fair comparison, athlete wise, for sure. Between you know, because Barrett really was is really not just a burner by any means. He's definitely not like uh, crap. What was the what was the guy before him? Uh, that was so that, good, Braxton Miller. Braxton, Braxton Miller. Miller. Yeah, he's not a burner like Miller by any means, and he's not a burner like 
um, Ward was at Houston. Um, but, I mean, I, Ward ran for 1,300 yards in this offense. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, I think 700 would be it would be success. That means he stayed healthy during all this time. Definitely. But so last year, Barrett ran the ball 168 times, 165 times for 798 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, 12 touchdowns. That's pretty much what I'm envisioning. I don't know. Like I don't, if we're if we're anywhere as good as Ohio State, which we won't, be, <laughs> um, that, that's not that's not far from us. From a, uh, we don't, from we don't have to play uh, Michigan or Wisconsin, though. So. We don't have to play any really good defenses. That is correct. Um, my, la- my last Texas question, um, I, I actually was, was really, really high on Holton Hill. Um, I think he, he flew under the radar for most of the season for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, I thought he was left off some award list um, wrongfully. And I actually think he is our <clears> – <throat> I think he's our best NFL prospect uh, defensively. Who do you think is going to replace him opposite of Chris Boyd? Um, do you think it may be one of these one of these freshmen we've signed, whether it be you know Jalen Green or is it Anthony Cook? I feel like Anthony Cook might be a day one starter. What do you think about that? Um, Cook has been really really solid. Jalen Green might actually even be better still. Um, he's not a campus kid, though, right? Jaylen he is Green. not. He is not an early enrollee. No, neither is uh, Deshaun Jameson. Yeah, and Jameson may end up in the slot just because they have such an abundant abundance of riches at cornerback uh, that they may they may start Jameson in the slot on offense. Oh, um, on offense. Wow. Ah. Holt, yeah, there's a little nugget for you. Holton Hill, I thought was really good, and probably part of the reason he was left off the awards was because he failed that NCAA test that got him suspended. So it's kind of a kind of a stain on the on the old resume. Yeah, um, I didn't, it didn't look good, but man, he whenever this past year, he he really really shut teams' best player down um, at wide receiver. He played fantastic for us. I think we're going well, to know, miss the, him a lot. After, after the Oklahoma game, they started playing um, dime. And they started playing safeties over the top on everybody's receivers. So they, um, his role, the importance of his play actually got diminished over the second half of the season. And he was still excellent. He was a really good tackler. I, I agree that he's probably the best pure NFL prospect out of the uh, out of the guys that just left. But they were able to replace him reasonably well with Devontae Davis. Um, and, and part of the reason for that is that the dime package made the corner position easier to play. Sure. Um, so they, they got Chris Boyd back. Chris Boyd actually played really well last year. He had a, There was a couple major coverage busts that got pinned on him that were not actually him. Um, and then he's just an amazing all-around defensive back. So he's going to be the, the lockdown guy. Uh, I think Devontae Davis will start opposite him. Devontae Davis had way more coverage busts than people realize. And you can go back in, early in the year when he played more, and you can find games where he let, he let guys just run by him on accident. And uh, the other team just didn't know, you know. Or uh, I think I think one of the big plays that Missouri landed was a, a Devontae Davis snafu. Well, I would, like, I would like it for him to stop those busts um, if he is going to be the starter over there. But um, yeah, yeah, you. Uh, I think he, he probably he probably will. They they really like Kobe Boyce. They think he might be the best 
pure cover guy on the team right now. Yeah, I've uh, seen, not, I've seen he's not quite as well-rounded as, uh, as Boyd or Davis or, or Cook seems to be, but he, he's in good shape. Um, so uh, they're pretty deep there. I, I think that it'll be Davis and Boyd, and then uh, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of Cook, and we're going to probably see some Green even, just because uh, Davis and Boyd will be gone the next year, and they'd rather the next guys up have played. Sure, yeah. Uh, Ian Boyd of SB Nation and InsideTexas.com here with us today. Um, Ian, just following you on Twitter and reading your stuff, I, I know that you don't just focus only on Texas. You, you cover uh, really the rest of the Big 12 a lot too. Um, and I'm an OU fan, so I, I'm a, a little bit more interested in your, uh, in your stuff about OU whenever I see it. Um, but just based on what I've read uh, this spring especially, it's, it seems like you aren't very high on Kyler Murray as a quarterback. Um, I know there's the baseball possibility, and it seems like it's a lot stronger than it was even a month ago. Um, if so, it, assuming he plays baseball, uh, plays football this year, um, if he were to play a full healthy season, how do you think that? How do you think the season would go for OU? The, the main thing I see with OU this year is like a dozen places of marginal decline. So like. Um, so, like, let's say Kyler Murray, you know, he foregoes baseball. He's like, no way. I'm going to give football at least one year. And from here on out, I'm, like, laser-focused on football. Um, I think he's probably has a good year, and he's pretty effective next year. Because, I mean, he's a you know, insane athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, he can make – he's a pretty good passer. There was things in the spring game that were concerning to me where it looked like he didn't really know how to – recognize blitzes and or mm-hmm. uh, or stuff like that i that would really concern me if i were a oklahoma fan or an oklahoma coach but it's also like how focused was he in that game how yeah. focused was he during the spring how much mental energy did he have in that game mm-hmm. after you know moonlighting as a baseball prospect every night every day of the week so so if you assume the best I think he could end up being pretty good this year, but it's still a marginal decline from what Baker Mayfield yeah. offered, yeah. for sure. Now, I, I will not hear anyone tell me that he's going to be as good as Mayfield. No, no, absolutely not. And and I, I, at least at least not this year. Yeah. yeah. And in the spring game, like you said, I mean, there was one play where he they were kind of deep in their own in their own territory, and he would have gotten absolutely decapitated on the goal line. So that that kind of thing was definitely a little bit concerning, um, and. You know, you, you just mentioned that there's going to be some decline really kind of all over the field. And I, the other day I read a little article that you had that was talking about the losses on defense. And, I mean, I think there were some good points for sure. There were some things I disagreed with a little bit just because the losses on defense, you know, the, the both safeties and Obo. I mean, I think Obo is definitely going to be missed just because he's the best pass rusher. Um, but I think – you, you mentioned they lost Emmanuel Beal, who was either their leading or second leading tackler, and I feel like with Caleb Kelly moving from the outside linebacker to inside, taking over that spot that Beal uh, is is leaving, I feel like he'll be. I'll be shocked if he's not much better than Beal, who I thought all year was pretty bad. Uh, so, like, even though they're losing a starter there, I feel like they'll be better there. I think Stephen Parker at safety will hurt, um, but I feel like I don't feel like the defense is going to get. 
worse than it was last year just because it was so bad. Uh, but you, you seem to think that it still might get worse. I, <laughs> it can always get worse. <laughs> that's that's something that this decade of Texas football has really <laughs> impressed upon me. Uh, I hear you. So like, so let, let me let me just finish up on offense real quick. Yeah. From Mark Andrews to Grant Calcaterra, that is not as steep a decline as you would expect after losing a guy like Andrews. I agree. But it's still a decline, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like Baker to Kyler, and then you're losing Orlando Brown. Mm-hmm. Slide Bobby Evans over. Move Cody Ford to right tackle or whatever they're going to do. Yeah. Probably going to be good, but not quite as good. Uh, Eric Ram, the center, is gone. Probably going to be good at center, but not quite as good. May not be as smart yeah, maybe. as Ren as Ren was. And then you've got you know this quarterback that hasn't been focused on football all in. Mm-hmm. And then you got this new center that might be. It could be Alvarez, who's been there forever, but yeah. it could be this young guy, Creed Humphrey. Yeah, it could be Creed Humphrey, yeah. And then, and it's like, now you've lost two super savvy veteran guys for calling out protections and stuff, and audibles and all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, but you know, the offense is not going to be terrible, because it's Lincoln Riley, and yeah. he's still just hand the ball to Ronnie Anderson, and C.D. Lamb will probably be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Defense, it's it's the same kind of thing. It's like Mark Mark Jackson might be really good next year, but he's probably not going to be Oboe Okorongwo. No. Um, Kelly to Beal, I could see that being an upgrade. I I, I could give you that one. Um, and then uh, you know another thing was watching Oklahoma last year. A lot of times they would kill drives and make plays because uh, Oboe would make a play or Beal. I mean, I don't know how much good linebacker instruction Beal got, yeah. but there was there was a play that I watched last year where Texas had this brilliant play call to attack Beal with, and they get him matched up with Hurd one on one on a go route on the outside, and uh, and Ellinger throws like a actually a really good ball to draw Hurd in the back shoulder in the corner of the end zone, and Beal had run it down and broke it up, and I was like. That's just so typical for Tim Beck that he draws up that perfect play to hit Oklahoma, and then Emmanuel Beagle, of all people, breaks it up. Like, who, who could have seen that coming? Yeah. But then I saw at the combine that Beal ran a 4 4. Wow. And I was like, oh. And, and you watch Oklahoma last year, and I don't know if Beal was always in the right spot initially, but I think there were probably plays that he ran down that would have been a lot worse if he hadn't been on the field. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then, uh, Senor Lampkin, Devontae Lampkin. Yeah. That guy was really disruptive. Mm-hmm. He was really hard to block, and he blew up a lot of plays last year uh, that may or may not have showed up on the stat sheet. And then, uh, then who's that other? DJ Ward was good. Um, there's just there's a lot of young guys in Oklahoma's defense that could be stepping in and, mm-hmm. and might, might make leaps and be better than they were last year. But... I, I don't know. There's just so many different ways in which it's easy to see Oklahoma getting worse everywhere, you mm-hmm. know? And then it all just starts to add up. Yeah. And then you think you think back to them, like, needing comeback wins to beat uh, Baylor. Kansas or to State. Beat, Texas. You know, Kansas State, yeah. Or Texas, yeah. Um, and it just, it just starts, you just, it just doesn't, uh, 
it just starts to look really concerning. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the league again next year. Yeah, and I mean, I don't by any means think they're going to be as good as last year, <laughs> but I, I think based on the, the the league as a whole getting worse and their schedule not having a team like Ohio State and the non-conference, I, I think they could very well go 10-2 and two and find themselves at least in the Big 12 championship, but... I mean, it, there's a lot of question marks where people, where guys are going to have to step up who either never have or are just young guys that haven't been on the on campus yet and been given an opportunity. But I'm I'm a little I'm nervous, but I'm also excited to see just because it, it's a really young team, like you said, and so they can either you know get a lot of experience this year and then in, in two or three years be be built back up to be really good. But we'll see. So, um, look, look or Mike, Mike Stoops made a passive aggressive comment in the media, like a couple of weeks ago or something where he was like, yeah, we got young leaders, but I'd rather have young leaders than old guys that aren't leaders at all. <laughs> I'd rather have and, a defensive uh, coordinator. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, uh, I, I don't think that he was just talking hypothetically. There's, there's smoke around some of those older guys that are leaving Oklahoma that they were never really great leaders are totally bought in. Um, and so, like, maybe, you know, maybe if Kenneth Murray is the loudest voice in the room, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that has a big positive ripple effect on across the defense, something like that. Yeah. But I'll, I also worry, I mean, I saw so many games last year where Baker Mayfield is coming over to the defense and, like, yeah, just, like, pleading with them mm-hmm. to do something. He's like, look, I can score every drive, but you guys got to hold up your end. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and he's and he's gone, and his backup is contemplating leaving yeah. before the season starts to play baseball. So, yeah, I think I think the the loss of Baker, obviously, the loss of Baker is extends a long ways, just because he was. I, I'm a Texas fan, and I'm I'm a ma- also a massive Baker Mayfield fan. I, I, I wish he was a Longhorn so bad, just because <laughs> oh, sure. just because the way he plays, and also he's good, but. His his I think like you said his effects go further than just the way he plays whenever he whenever he says hut and the ball is snapped to him, you know he I mean he like you said he is the vocal leader and I think everyone on the team rallied around the fact that Baker played with such an edge and and was so edgy I think that made the whole team edgier and I don't know Kyler Murray though he is as talented as anybody anybody he is from what I've seen so far seems so far from that. It seems like he's almost a mime. Um, I just don't. Texas, I don't. I don't know. Texas, this. I don't Texas think had a guy like Baker that. last decade, and he lost, or he they lost him, and then they went five and seven. And it turned out that the rest of the program was rotting, and he was propping it up. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I feel like there's some possibility that that happens at Oklahoma. I think Lincoln Lincoln's probably going to keep it from rotting. Um, but I, th- I think I think the effect of Baker leaving could could extend further than than what it appears right on paper. I would think that too. But Texas had a guy named Will Muschamp, and they still played good defense in 2010. But they 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 played amazing defense in 20 in 2009, and then they played really good defense in 2010, and that wasn't enough anymore because the offense cratered. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking at the Big 12, more of a of. From a perspective, uh, an outside perspective, kind of looking at the whole league, it as I said a minute ago, it, it I, th- I think it's pretty clear that it's going to be down. Uh, Oklahoma State lost a lot of guys. TCU lost some good, some key guys. OU, as we just mentioned, uh, even with I think Texas will improve, but it, it seems as though at this point, 
OU, West Virginia, and Texas are the top three. I know there's still a long way to go, but I mean, I would still throw Texas in that top three. Uh, and it, I would almost be surprised if two of those three aren't playing in the Big 12 championship at the end of the year, barring injuries and whatnot. But if you had to say right now, uh, what are the chances that you think uh, there could be a Red River rematch in the Big 12 title game? Man, that's hard. I, I actually think it's it's not obvious to me that Kansas State and Iowa State are not as likely as West Virginia or Oklahoma or Texas. Okay. It's hard to know Kansas State these days with Snyder yeah. and their de- and their defense exactly what's up. But they're returning like five starters on their offensive line, and they have a quarterback battle between two guys that won them games last year. Um. And then Iowa State, you know, came out of sort of came out of nowhere last year, and they have a lot going for them this year too. So it's a it's a pretty open year for if one of those two teams puts it all together, if everything breaks positive for one of those two teams, mm-hmm. I feel I feel like they're right in it with the other three that you mentioned. So I guess with that in mind, I would say that a Red River Shootout rematch is not super likely, but I think- it, it's definitely not unlikely. Yeah. Like, it's really easy to see that happening. Mm-hmm. Do you see I, this as a fact that there's just, you know, that, that Kansas State and the Iowa State are in the mix? So that, do you think that speaks to the fact that they're, well, Kansas State's always been Kansas State, but do you think this speaks to the fact that Iowa State is getting so much better or just the fact that with Texas still trying to get something back and everybody else being down, um, do you think it's more the fact that Iowa State is getting so much better and everybody else is down? Well, Texas and Oklahoma are definitely leaving a vacuum because Texas sucked at everything. Uh, they were good at defense last year, but they've sucked all decade. And Oklahoma has not been elite at any point this decade as a team. You know, like last year's Oklahoma offense is one of the best I've ever seen, but the the special teams and defense were yeah were not good. And a, a, a Texas and Oklahoma that's running on all cylinders. It does not. It does, and then it doesn't really matter what Kansas State or Iowa State is doing. You're right. Um, but they're neither of them are right now. So, and then Kansas State. It's just kind of a. It's easy to forget that the one year of the last three where their quarterback was healthy all year, they won like nine games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you know, if they bring in that guy, if you guys watch that guy Delton much, uh, you probably did because he played against both of our teams. Yeah, yeah, I watched him play some, yeah. I mean... He can run. That guy that guy is pretty scary if he stays healthy for a full year. He couldn't throw it very well, but he can run. Right. But the problem uh, is the fact that just by nature of Kansas State is just that that quarterback is so rarely healthy. Well, you know, Klein stayed healthy, Waters did okay. Um... They, they, it's a, it's a bigger risk there, but it's, it's failed to work out the last few years, so it looks like it never works out. But it, it works out more often than it, it, it's looked like recently. And Ertz, uh, Ertz apparently had like a, a knee surgery that wasn't very good in high school, and so his knee was never quite right. And then that was what kept knocking him out of games and costing him a bunch of games in the last few years was was that same knee. So, yeah, they, they definitely like you know. I don't I don't know if their quarterbacks take the recommended amounts of painkillers in a, in a given year, but they, <laughs> they usually hold up okay. Um, 
And then Iowa State is getting legitimately a lot better. They're still, they're like at a Kansas State level now where they like, if things break right and other teams are down, they could maybe win the league, but they're not going to win the league in a year where Texas or Oklahoma are doing what Texas or Oklahoma can do. Yeah. I just don't think Texas or, I don't, I don't know that Texas or Oklahoma are going to, are going to be that this season. Yeah. What what would you if what would you think right now that OU and Tech if you had to predict right now what is what is OU's record and what is Texas record ending this season? Um, I, I've whenever I go over my why Oklahoma could collapse next year theories, <laughs> Oklahoma fans usually be are usually respond with, yeah, but the team is super talented and if you look at the schedule, it's hard to see them being worse than eight and four. So. Uh, that's uh, I think that's probably right. You think they so, go eight and four this year? I, what? You think they go eight and four this year? I think I think anything between six and six and ten and two would be on the table, depending on a few a dozen factors in off season. Man, I, I don't I don't Ian I don't see it, but I hope you're right. I would love for them to suck. That would be awesome. <laughs> Alex definitely will not agree, but I I hope you're right. <laughs> Probably split the difference and say eight and four is where I would go right now. But what about Texas? Um, Texas, I think, a little better than that. I think Texas is a lot deeper this year, and they, I think their defense is going to give them a chance to keep them in a lot of games. Um, oh, it'll keep them in games for sure. Yeah, I think nine and three or ten and two for Texas. I've said nine and three. I, I agree with nine and three. Maybe Ellinger won't throw uh, overtime interceptions right to defensive backs with no receivers around, then maybe they'll win a couple of games that way. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. he's, he's, he's defensive because he's, OU's not going to be as good. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Ian, before we let you go, I wanted to. I, 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 I've asked this to the anybody who covers college football that I've had on as a guest, and, and it's it's a very hard question to answer. So I guess you can just do your best. But I call oh, it my, way, the way too early gun to your head subject to change playoff prediction. So not who will win it, just the four teams. If you had to pick right now, the four teams that you see making the playoff. Yeah. Um, I think Washington rebounds this year. No one is talking about Washington. Mm-hmm. Last year, everyone was like, Washington's on. Watch for them to be back in it. Yeah. And I, and I was like, well, their whole secondary left. Mm-hmm. How's that going to work? And, you know, sure enough, I was right. But then this year, they, they're returning, like, everyone this year, mm-hmm. including all the, the, the new uh, young guys they plugged into their secondary and that ended up playing really well last year. They got so, a big one week one, right? What? They have a big game. Washington has a big game week one, right? Oh, do they really? Yeah, they play who Auburn. They, who they play? Auburn. Oh, crap. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Shoot, well, that kind of turns <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, week t- one, they're already out. It's the way, it's way too early gun to your head subject to change. It's okay. Well, I think Washington I think Washington is in because the Pac-12 is not that great right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I go back and forth between Auburn and Alabama and the SEC. I, I don't know. I'll say Auburn for now. Okay. It's probably going to be Alabama, though. It's always Alabama. <laughs> and then, um, honestly, I think the Big Ten is the strongest. So they should, it should be something where, like, uh, 
the Big Ten gets Ohio State and Michigan or something like that. Oh, please don't uh, be Michigan. Please don't. <laughs> what about Clemson? Do you think do you not think they're in the mix? Clemson, uh, I feel like they were not that great last year. I mean, that's kind of obvious now after Obama, after Alabama beat the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I thought they skated by on a bad ACC last year. And uh, I don't know if they're – I watched their spring game and Kelly Bryant was not sharp. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if so, Lawrence is the starter. Yeah, well, they're, they're, other, they're young guys. They still look pretty young. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I feel like they're like a year away. Yeah, I mean, if, if they're uh, going to make a run at it, it's, it's going to be because their defense is so stacked, with the, especially with that defensive line, all those guys coming back. Yeah, but the uh, they, the rest of the ACC is better this year, so I don't know if uh-huh. that's gonna I don't know if that's gonna work for them. Yeah. So I'll say I think Ohio State is your front runner to win the national championship. And I, I like Ohio State, Washington. I'll just say Alabama, so that I have something remote, some sort of safe in here. <laughs> and, then, and then Michigan. Oh gosh. That were, and it could just as easily be Michigan State. I, I'm not like saying that's a, the one story nobody wants to touch because it looks like maybe Michigan State is enabling sexual assault yeah. at every level of their program all over the place. So it's like no one really wants to talk about Michigan State right now. Yeah, that may not be good. In the meantime, they're returning most of their defense, yeah, most are. of their offense. Their young quarterback is, was good last year at his back. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Well, Ian, we'll uh, we'll let you go there. I uh, appreciate you coming on. It was very nice to have uh, somebody who is very knowledgeable about college football and has some different opinions than just the the same old same old that you hear a lot of the time. And uh, knowing that you do your homework, it, I, I appreciate hearing those. Uh, like following you on Twitter and reading your uh, back and forth with dumb fans all the time too. So uh, <laughs> keep keep doing that. So so you can provide me some enjoyment every once in a while. Okay. All right, this is Phil in the Gap. Thank you for listening.